takes on It's the thrill of one more kill The last one to find We'll never sacrifice their will Don't ever look back On the world closing in Beyond the attack With your wings Giants 13, Eagles 7. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And welcome to a victory podcast. And, Justin, I am declaring Talking Giants as a Chris Myrick podcast. We are for, we are now Chris Myrick supporters, Justin. That's true. We were together, so I don't really need to ask you too much. I mean, I've spent the weekend with you, so. But how are you? How are you feeling after a win? Bobby Skinner, I'm feeling good. Feeling good. You know, obviously, after... Uh... A Giants win, and especially in the way in which the Giants usually win, there's usually a lot of emotions that that come with it. But let's break it down like this, right? You know, our Mondays when we win are our victory Mondays, our Wednesdays are analysis, and then Friday we get excited about all, all over again, right? So let's celebrate the win today. So let's let's talk about this first. We've had this game against the Philadelphia Eagles circled on our calendar for 11 months, right? You know, almost, almost 12 months now because November is almost over. We've had this game circle for 12 months. And sure, you know, the the feelings of week 17 last year, it's kind of lost its luster, right? You know, we're, we're not feeling as emotional. You know, Doug Peterson's not here. Carson Wentz isn't here, blah, 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 blah. All those people aren't, you know, they're not, they're not here. But this was a game that we've had circled on our calendars. Like when the schedule came out, that first Eagles game, especially the home game, is the game that we all circled. We won. We beat them. Good, fun. Second thing, three home games in a row that we won. Yeah, we started 0-3 at home, won the next three. We're 3-3 three and three at home this year. That, I'm Based off of the track record that the Giants have had at home since 2016, especially when we're actually back in the stands this year, I take that. I'm signing up for that. I've enjoyed seeing home victories. And also next man up. I mean, just really, really cool from this game, seeing the next man up mentality of, you know, the cornerbacks that were on the field for the final drive for the Giants were Bradbury McKinney, Julian Love, Aaron Robinson, J.R. Reed, and Stephen Parker. Who, Who is J.R. Reed and Stephen Parker? Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, so it was really, really cool to see. Yes, the offense, you know, there's, there's a conversation to be had about that. Freddie Kitchen's offense first week didn't look as great as we thought, but I mean, just a fun game, a, a fun game, a fun time, a fun tailgate. We'll get to that and we'll thank everybody, but how are you? That's where I am at right now. I'm good. And again, we'll, you know, we'll talk about our tailgate and Candlewick Diner, you know, supporting us, uh, you know, later on in the show. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the offense first. And I, I actually feel better about this game than I did, like, immediately, you know. And, and I, I rewatched it. Um, I actually – now, there's things there's things that are always going to be a pick from game. But I actually like the way Freddie Kitchens called this game, you know. We came into this game like, yes, is Freddie Kitchens going to be aggressive? Absolutely. But also, it was a week where you were missing Kadarius, missing Shep, obviously, with a bad O-line. And you were facing the Eagles, who literally have the lowest average depth of target in the NFL. You know, so they like there's no team has is better at not letting you get those deep shots than the Eagles. But that doesn't mean that you start running stick concepts like Jason Garrett did. So they spread, I mean. They had guys running down the field, and it led to yak opportunities. Yes, and I thought I thought the bad plays that led to like the, some of the worst things were more player execution, including with Daniel Jones. 
Um, you know, and I don't, you know, you look at the stats and Daniel Jones didn't have like a, a bad game, but I do think he left some winning plays out on the field. Um, and, you know, obviously the offensive line's bad, but it's like I, we, we have to – we live with that, you know. Like I said – I had a tweet after the game where I was like, I don't think anyone on offense played really good or bad. And the people were like, well, the offensive line. It was like, yeah, they did. But it's like I kind of – that's like bad is my baseline. Well, at this, at this point, line. are we just not expecting the offensive line to be bad every single game? So let's yeah, that's, that. that's kind of where that <laughs> came from. You know, that's kind of where like my thinking was when I when I tweeted that. I was like, oh, yeah, offensive line definitely was bad outside of Thomas. Um but like play calling wise, I didn't hate much. The the Slayton end around obviously screwed them on, you know, a thirteen. Uh, if you look at the player tracking data on that one, it's pretty funny. It just it goes looks, off the screen. It's yeah. just Slayton on like a forty five degree angle, just running off, <laughs> running backwards. Um, and then when they got that second and twenty after like a holding call, and then they just ran it twice, and it's like, come on, guys, like let's let's get some yards here. Yeah. Um, but I like what Freddie Kitchens did. You know, and it led to yard, the yak ability. I thought they targeted Galladay pretty well. He led the team in targets at seven targets, led him in yards three for 50. And you think about the four, you know, catches that he – four plays that he didn't catch. One was a drop by Galladay on the drag. I should have had that. The other two were those back shoulder throws. And that's – you know, that's where I'm I'm going to critique Daniel Jones. Like, he's got to get better at throwing those back. He's Absolutely. leading guys into the corners. Like, no, you got to put that outside and behind. Outside and behind. They have like, – you have to get that better at that with Kenny Galladay. And I know yeah. they really haven't had any, you know, any in-game experience doing it. But it's like you don't like, you know, with Darius Slayton, with Sterling Shepard, like you got to put like even Kadarius Tony, like you got to put really good touch and accuracy on those. With Galladay, you got to put them back. And then there was another slant where Jones missed them. You know, so like Galladay had seven really solid targets. Yeah, I I, I was kind of worried going into this game, Justin, because they made such an emphasis about you know. Targeting Galladay and Kim Jones had a report that Judge brought him up on the plane Monday night and said, we're going to get you involved. I was worried that with the Eagles and their average depth of target, what they're good is that we were going to overforce the ball to Kenny Galladay. Yeah. But they didn't do it. I thought like this was – if I thought this was a good – I thought this was overall a good offensive game plan. I know the offense didn't score, but I viewed that most of that as player execution. Yeah, and – Darius Slay was on him a decent amount too, and you, know, you saw from that first drive and that first opportunity in which – Galladay got that, um, which I thought that wasn't a terrible attempt by Jones. Um, that little, you know, back shoulder, you know, that one was better. The second one wasn't. The second one had too much mustard. It had too much, uh, too much velocity on it. Uh, it wasn't high enough. Um, you know, let Kenny Kenny Galladay is you know a big physical guy. Like let him go up and get a football. You know, maybe not even necessarily just back shoulder all the time, but just let him go up and get that football there on that second opportunity. But that first opportunity, he had Darius Slay all over him, and Darius Slay, you know, he's been having a he's Could've been, been having a solid year. Um, Nelson, you know, Nelson, there was on. Uh, he's a corner for Philly, who's not very good, number three. Um, but there was also a decent portion, which this is why I love going to the game. And Bobby, you know, we were able to see it. There was a decent portion where safeties were shadowing Kenny Galladay. And that hasn't always been the case this year where the, you know, situationally defenses will do it because you have to respect Kenny Galladay, even if you have somebody like Jason Garrett as your play caller. But, you know, especially this game, I thought there was a concerted effort on Philly's part of shadowing a safety over to Kenny Galladay on pretty much a consistent basis. And my biggest note from this game, and this is even just watching it live, I didn't even rewatch it. Um, I didn't tweet about it, but my my biggest emphasis from this game is wow, like Darius Slayton had did have some yards after the catch opportunities. John Ross, Ross. John Ross had a had a nice play with yards after the catch, and then there was one John Ross catch 
where Daniel Jones threw the ball behind him and he fell down immediately. And that could have been possibly another big play where Daniel Jones missed him. So, you know, there's some more Evan, I think Evan Ingram had even had a, some opportunities with yards after the catch too. Saquon Barkley, Devonte book over the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're continuing to find something in those little running back dump offs. Like we've talked about before. So, um, that's something that was missing from this Garrett offense is yards after the catch. So 13 points is, is nothing spectacular. Um, I'm not, you know, convinced either way. You know, I really don't feel like I learned anything new about, you know, whether it's Jones, you know, we talked about evaluation, right? I don't really feel like I learned anything new about Jones or kitchens or judge this game, but it was nice to see yards after the catch. I still got to see those points though. And you know, yeah, that's this yes. games and, to do that. And, and that's why, you know, we've talked about with Garrett and it's like, well, you know, the O-line's bad and, you know, Jones, you know, has his issues and, but, and the, and, and the running game is non-existent and that's, yeah, you know, that, that just sucks. it just sucks that, yeah. Like, I mean, Saquon had, he, let's look at the Saquon stats. He had, he had 50 for 40 yards. One was a 32 yard. The rest were 12 carries for eight yards. Like the running game is just non-existent. And we'll talk about that with Nate Solder and yeah. why he, he shouldn't be playing. He had 53, um, uh, Saquon had 53 total scrimmage yards and 30, you know, 30 some 30 something of them came on one play. I don't even put like usually sometimes we're we're tough on Saquon. I'm not even like no, it's the offensive you, line. I I, I kind of put my hands up and I shrug and I shrug at this point. If you ask me what kind of game Saquon had, it's it's like I can't. There was nothing that I saw. It's like, damn, Saquon missed that. Say, say, I'm glad he had the big explosive play. I mean, that that's that's what he can do, you know. So yeah. So like again, there's like the offensive line bad. Daniel, like I, we talked about, Daniel Jones missing some plays today, you know. So is this a good offensive game? No, but this is kind of what I've been looking for play calling wise, you know. And you talk yeah. about like got, like there was times where Daniel Jones was hitting guys on drag routes, which is that some deep uh, play? No, but they had guys downfield and. Not only were they open on the drag because guys were in the cover downfield, but they had yak opportunities, which, you know, we talked about how bad the Giants have been in yak with under the Jason Garrett era. Want to hear something funny? Now, I know the Eagles had four turnovers today, and that plays a huge part in this stat whenever you turn the ball over so, uh, so often, right? But Eagles had over 200 yards rushing. Giants could not run the ball to save their life. They still won the time of possession battle by five minutes, which if you just – Look at the eye test. You're thinking to yourself, there's no way in hell the Giants won this time possession because it felt like the Eagles just had the ball so like so often, but that's not the case. Which yeah. that is clearly that is clearly the defense something... won this game, you know. But we just talked they about did. offense first, and offense is quite frankly more important, especially since there was a change made this week. Where if there wasn't a change made this week, we might have just kicked it off with the defense. And you know, the defense balled out, obviously, seven points, you know, four turnovers. Um but again, offensively, like game plan wise, I, I you know, wasn't like well, Sean McVay or anything, but it was kind of what I like. And I'm I'm yeah. excited to look more at the all twenty two and you know the deep concepts and and what happened after yeah. that. You know, we and again about- we're looking at tendencies. That I mean that that's what we're really looking at. We're looking at the tendencies. And while I while I said I'm not I didn't really learn anything about Freddie Kitchens, I didn't learn anything about Daniel Jones. You know, I we did say that we're looking for tendencies and you know, really, you know, here here's the I main learned difference. a little bit about Freddie though. I got yeah. Like it was, I, what I liked is that yes, do they do the Eagles stop you from getting those big plays? Yes, but it didn't stop him from running deep concepts and allowing right. Jones to get down to the shorter routes on those deep concepts yep. for yak uh, opportunities. And the offensive line was bad. Like the offensive line was bad in this game, just like it's been bad in in most games this season. But that didn't prevent Freddie Kitchens from running those deep concepts. And Daniel Jones's average in depth of target is intended air yards. 
was only like 5.7. So it was not anything spectacular. But you don't need to, just because you run those deep concepts, and Bobby's point for two years now is those deep concepts, they do open up stuff underneath. They open up yards after the catch, and that's exactly what you got from this game. So it was nothing spectacular, nothing awesome from this offense this game. But I will give them credit with this. You know, they they made one trip to the red zone, at least inside the 10-yard line, right? I think the first field goal was inside the 20-yard line. But, you know, they made one trip to the red zone inside the 10-yard line, inside the 5, and they made a count and they scored. So, I mean, and that's, you know, ultimately that's the difference in this game. Chris Myrick podcast. Um, so, yeah. This Can we is, talk about I, that catch before we, before we move on to something else? Yeah, that was ridiculous. It's bananas. Like, it's funny because he caught it, but it was like, just catch it. I but, don't know yeah, how he caught it. I don't know how it didn't or no, I don't let's let's just say this. He snuck he snuck that hand under last second. I don't know he how it didn't it. hit the ground. Like how is that not physically impossible? Last second he just scooped that hand under there. <laughs> Cuz he technically didn't catch it, I guess. I mean, he it We've dropped been the out of his hands. supporters of Chris Myrick. No one can d- doubt that. No. Better than Evan Ingram? We there yet? I, I'm just saying we're the biggest supporters. I don't think, you know, but we've been we've been supporting Chris Myrick. Um in fact, maybe I should like do a Twitter search and see how many times. When was the first time I tweeted about Chris Myrick? I, I haven't tweeted about him at all. I'm a bad guy. I just I remember when he went on. I remember we talked about how his his Pro Football Reference page is funny because he kept on getting elevated and protected by the Dolphins last oh, year. Yes, yes, that's that's this guy, huh? Yeah. Um. So, uh, Jake Hosman, the other practice squad tight end, sucks to be you, my man, because uh, Chris Myrick is he's 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 higher than you. Um, so yeah so like as as far as like like so if the eagles score 20 points and we're talking about a loss we're probably not talking about the offense in the same tone but you know winning obviously uh heals heals all wounds i think if we were saying like okay they lost what's the blame game mine would go offensive line one Mm -hmm. and and i'm going to include offensive line with running backs like running game uh so that one two Jones, three receivers, and then four Freddie Kitchens, you know. So, like, that's an order of worst to best. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Uh, it's just so tough. I am so, you know, you know me. I'm so pro throw the ball. Um, I did kind of predict that Freddie Kitchens was going to run the ball a little bit more on first down than Jason Garrett did, despite him being an, aggr- an aggressive play caller. And I was right about that. I They did run the ball. It did seem like more often than not the Giants were running on first down. Um, I'll officially look at those stats this week and, you know, maybe, you know, if anybody else on Wednesday, we'll have a, we'll have an update on that for the mailbag show. And then definitely on the stats report, I'll do that. But um, what was my point? You're talking about them running the Freddie kitchens, running the ball more. Freddie kitchens running the ball more. I forget where I was going. It's really bad radio. <laughs> it's it's, it's, that's actually terrible radio. <laughs> um, so yeah, and and now there definitely was some play calling, like not even like just like I don't like this play call. It was like the reverse to Slayton. I, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty on that, but that just that just was like okay, they scored a touchdown, they got a stop, they got the ball back, and it was like okay, well we just ruined the drive. Now no, I hate I hate how that that play reminded me of. I think we forced a turnover against the Falcons, week three, and the first play that we got after we got the ball was like a, was like the same play to Kadarius Tony. And it wound up in a seven yard loss. And I felt like I was in deja vu. Like I felt like it was in the same exact spot. 
You're thinking of when we had the Slayton deep pass versus Denver, and then they gave, did that to Tony. It, uh, there was there was one other instance this year where the Giants forced a turnover on the defensive side of the ball, and then the first play that they got the ball back on the offense side of the ball, they ran some sort of reverse to a wide receiver, and then it ruined the drive, and then it just stopped. Yeah, that sucked. And then there was a third and two, Matt Skura, false start. Let's put him in third and seven. Yeah. And you can just still convert on third and seven, but it's obviously a big a big difference than third and two. Um, offensive line-wise, Thomas played well. He got the holding penalty, um, but other than that, he he played fine. There was one play where he got beat bad, and there was a hold, and there there was supposed to there should have been a holding call where he grabbed the guy around his neck, but rather than that, didn't see anything noteworthy. Nate Solder nukes this offense at times, man. He does like in, in the running game. As you know, there was a, another first and ten run where just Nate Solder just gets totally beat inside by Fletcher Cox, and now we have second and fourteen. Like, like we shouldn't be having four yard losses, and that's why, you know. The the Saquon Barkley isn't doesn't go downhill enough and dances too much. Those talking points are very real, but like you said before, in this game it, that wasn't the case. It was simply the offensive line. What like there was just guys three four yards in the backfield, and I, I feel like we're doing this every single freaking Monday podcast. But I just don't understand why Matt Parrott's not starting. It just doesn't make it's. You can't make any logical sense of why Matt Parrott's not the starting right tackle for the Giants. He started at left tackle for three games for them. Like they they felt that as a better fit. Like it's, it, when you look at everything, it's just I, I don't get it, Justin. Like there the has only, to be there has to be a, there has to be some reason. But the only reason I can think of is the contract. That's the only reason. No, I mean, and, and some type of loyalty with Joe Judge because Rob Sale has no loyalty to the guy. You know. I, it, it's the only it's it's the contract and and his connect and his like essentially his New England connection with Joe Judge. There's got to be something with Matt Parrot, and I saw the way that Ben Wilkerson was really getting in his face in New England. Now I wish we had more of a sample size of what Matt Parrot did in camp and how the coaches interacted with him and stuff like that. You know, because he was the starter while Solder was hurt in camp, and then pretty much. It took a week for Solder to get that starting job back. Um, I almost wish Solder was healthy throughout the entirety of camp to see who would have had the starting job from day one. Well, Parrot had it in the spring, you know. They yeah. when when they were it was supposed to be the starter. Yeah, you know, and Gentleman, you know, mentioned Parrot by name when men- when talking about the tackle situation, which made us, you know, which made a lot of people ultimately ultimately lean wide receiver at eleven or you know where however you know wherever they traded down to the down the twenty right. So there has to be something with Parrot where, and I hate that I'm saying this because we're not in the building and we really don't know. There has to be something with Parrot where he just doesn't have that dog in him or he just doesn't have it. And that's not an excuse not to start him, by the way, because you just wasted a third round draft pick where, you know, somebody else is going to come in at the, at the, at the start of next year. And they're going to look at Matt Parrot and be like, well, what, what sustainable tape do I have on him besides him just playing left tackle, which isn't even his position. And then he still doesn't have any kind of sustainable tape at right tackle, you know? So there has to be something with Parrot where he just doesn't, he doesn't have that dog in him. That's my, that's my take. And I hate to say it, but. But just Nate Solder doesn't have any dog in him either. Correct. You know? And that, that's, that's the, that's It'd be one thing if we were playing reason. Mike Remmers. If, if it was Mike Remmers out there, like, listen, I get it, but it's Nate Solder and he doesn't, and he, he nukes drives. Yeah. The, the Giants, uh, 
on Sunday with Saquon Barkley. Ran nine times to the left side, four times to the right side. Granted, one of the times that they ran between the center and guard on the right side went for 32 yards. Devontae Booker, all three of his attempts came on the right side between the center and the guard. So, the, I mean, clearly, at least for Barkley, you know, they prioritized nine of his uh, nine of his 13 carries came from the left side. And there were still times where I would see Saquon Barkley run the ball to, towards Andrew Thomas at the left tackle, and Nate Solder would be the first one at the bottom of a pile where Saquon Barkley gets tackled on the left side of the offensive line. And Nate yeah. Solder's a right tackle. So Yeah, when that stuff happens on first and 10, that like that can screw a drive. They have to play him. They have to play Perry. I just don't get it. Um but there has to be a re- there has to be a reason though. But which it's, I, I can't think of one. I can't. Myself. Like there's everything I disagree with that happens in football. I try. I can figure out why that's happening. You know, with this, I can't figure it out. I just can't figure it out. I don't. I, I there's unless like you said, unless it's the car. There, there's no way. I get you, you can people say well in practice, but again, we have enough game film to just be like that's not that can't be the case. Yeah, that can't be the case. Okay, this time of year you're not practicing that heavily anyways. That can't no. be the case. It's the contract. Like it's the only thing that I. It's the only logical thing that can make. But they sense. reworked his contract. But it's still a lot of money. So, but they reworked his contract so he could be that that swing tackle, which can be valuable. And I put can in quotes. But isn't the third round pick and the investment in that pick more valuable than the one year yeah. reworked contract? It, that's what I'm saying. Is it doesn't make any sense, Jeffrey. <laughs> Um, they got to do it. They, they right. just got, they got to do it. Anything else on the offense besides Chris Myrick being the best tight end in the, oh, NFL? he's, he's wonderful. He's awesome. Um, no, uh, I, I, I still want to see more points scored. I mean, yeah, no, shit. Yeah, it was a bad but... offensive game. Like obviously it's a better tone because we won and we're talking about like, you know, and honestly I'm focusing more on Freddie kitchens because there was a change yeah. at the freaking position. Um, so again, like, it was a bad offensive game. Being in a win makes it feel a little bit bad. It sting a little less, but it was a bad offensive game. Like, I don't think we're dancing around. And again, and part of that is the run game is just non-existent, which sucks. It sucks that the, unless we're playing the Raiders, we can't run the ball. Joe Judge went for it. The first fourth down and short opportunity, he went for it. And it looked like there was no hesitation to, which was nice. Um, apparently, Bobby, the fourth and three, and the 51 yard field goal that Gano missed, which was huge, by the way. Um, that's the reason why, you know, at the end of the game, it was a game mm-hmm. versus, you know, it could have been just, you know, we could have been celebrating with like seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. But um, the 51 field goal, apparently the wind was really moving on the field and people were giving Judge Flack for running Gano out there when the, when the wind was kind of spinning around. Right. Well, I mean, I, I think feeling the wind in section three fifteen may be a little bit different on the field, but I didn't see the flag. I didn't see the 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 flags flying around there. The ball did look a little weird, and it and it kind of it kind of went a little weird off Gano's foot. But um, I was okay with kicking a field goal there. I I I, got, I didn't really have a strong opinion. I was kind of fifty fifty, and then yeah. I, joked, I joked that if since they missed it, I'm going. I'm in the go. But for I'm it. glad. Yeah. I'm glad they went for it on the, on that fourth and one, and most importantly. Um, there was no hesitation. Why one final note on, on the offense with Kenny. I, I want to mention this with Kenny Galladay. Um, them not like we, we gave, we gave Jones a little critique there. Right. But them not practicing that during the games and them not probably practicing it as much as in practice throughout this entire season. 
that's why we're seeing the results that we're seeing right now. So before you blame Jones too much, you know, I don't know who's blaming Galladay, but this is why practicing this game. Like shown up on those 50-50 balls with Jones more this year because of like the Kyle Rudolph types. It's just he's, he hasn't been good at it. So, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, but if they again. did it more, then, then he would get in those kind of repetition patterns. Why sign players – who go up and win these 50-50 contested balls and then not give them those contested catch opportunities, even if that's not the quarterback's strengths. Like, develop the quarterback to do it. Well, I want to talk about Jason uh, uh, Lock and Ford or whatever story yes. on. Although I feel like I have maybe trashed him before of not being trustworthy, but we'll talk about it at the end of the podcast. Let's talk about the defense. Defense balled out, balled out. And you would think, oh, well, the Eagles ran the ball 33 times. That's my food. So let's take this as a break. Let's take a break. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right. I just took one bite of pizza and I shouldn't have done that because I'm starving. Um, is it good? Uh, one one bite every news rules. Is, was it good? Yeah, it's good. I had I actually had that pizza on Saturday too. Belleville. Shout out. Free ad. Free ad. Um <clears throat> Defensively, I mean, they won the game. You know, so, like we talked twenty minutes yep. about the offense. Four but turnovers. The defense, the defense won the game. Four turnovers. Just shut down Hurts in the air. I mean, just Hurts. Hurts went fourteen for thirty-one, one hundred twenty-nine, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. It wasn't just like they were getting turnovers. They dominated his ass. They made him look like a horrible quarterback. He made, he made he, we made him look like the quarterback that we did. LOL. Jalen Hurts tweets about all off season. You know, where he was kind of finding his groove. And again. It's not an indictment on his entire career, you know, but like this game was the game where we laughed at Jalen Hurts last year type of game. Yeah. You know, where it was like they didn't give him easy throws. They gave him all types of different looks and he was confused. He was confused. And when he got confused, he threw bad passes, one to Darnay, you know, and the one to take Crowder was unbelievably dumb. But it was yeah. like, you know, that's what that's what ended up happening. And then the McKinney, McKinney is just becoming like a, a really good player now where in the beginning of the season he was struggling. So, I mean, they won this game and they gave up 200 yards rushing. Yeah, it's. I was on the phone with my father and, you know, kind of putting in retrospect, you know, the, the, this game and what this game means and also how much the game of football has changed. Even from when I grew up, like I'm talking like, you know, I started watching football in 2005. Like think of how much the game has changed even from 2005. Bobby, you know, 20 years ago, you run for 200 yards, you win the game. You 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 win the game and you win it handedly. And there is no doubt about that. There is there is zero doubt. You know, and not only do you win the game, you also win time of possession, which usually I'm not a big guy that talks about time of possession, time of possession. But this game, I just found it to be so strange that the eye test says that Philly runs for 200 yards and they sustain drives a lot better than the Giants do yet that they lost time possession by four or five minutes. And that that's not a, you know, that's not a incredibly wide margin, but it's a wide enough to make your eyes pop a little bit. So, you know, and this is also an Eagle offense where on Friday show, if you go back and listen to our preview show, you know, we're giving them credit and we're giving the Eagle offense credit where credit is due with what they have been able to do with scoring points. You know, they, they have been running the ball well and they did run the ball well against the Giants, but part of your identity as a, as a rushing team is, you got to finish drives, and and they did not finish drives, and the Giants know all about not being able to finish drives. And, you know, again, Patrick Graham shows the dichotomy between the offense's mentality, right, of we're going to allow a ton of yards, we're going to allow a shit ton of yards, 
but in the opportunities in which we have to clamp down and the opportunities in which we have to make a play, we're going to make a play. Um, so I feel good about, you know, Graham and, you know, at least his, you know, the game plan that went down in the passing game and then also feel awesome about young players. Like it wasn't just Bradbury, you know, Dory Jackson, uh, you know, Reggie Raglan that, that made a play, you know, it was Aaron Robinson, Darnay Holmes, Xavier McKinney, you know, all, all these guys coming in and making some key plays. Tay Crowder thought had a pretty solid game, giant factor, good giant factor on my end. All these guys coming in and, you know, having solid games, young guys that have gotten some criticism in the past, especially Xavier McKinney, and they balled out this game. So I love it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I was one of the more critical people on Xavier McKinney earlier. Yeah, we were. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't based off of nothing, but he's become much more aggressive. Like he's become much more aggressive reading things. And I'm, I'm like, uh, he could turn into a really good player, man. I, right now he's playing as a really good player. You know, he was, some of you looked at him as a, as a first round safety. So yeah. uh, I'm without really. Without Logan excited. Ryan too. This was without Logan Ryan, you know, the captain of that defense. And, and Adore went down too. And Adore and Dorney Holmes. Adore and Dorney Holmes went down. And, you know, and then you had J.R. Reed and, again, J.R. Reed and Stephen Parker were out there. I think Stephen Parker. He was playing out, so here I think here's here's how the progression of the game went in terms of where guys lined up, and the, you know we may have to correct this on Wednesday, but Bradbury, uh, Dory Jackson, and then yeah, Darnay Holmes and Aaron Robinson were going in the slot. Then Dory Jackson comes out. Then you had Aaron Robinson and Darnay Holmes were alternating between outside and slot corner, right? And then Jackson comes out permanently. Well, we already said Jackson comes out permanently. Jackson comes out permanently. Darnay Holmes goes out. And then I think that's when Stephen Parker comes in. He's also playing outside. And then also you had Julian Love and Aaron Robinson slop, swapping out in slot corner as well. So Julian Love is getting involved in the corner action too. And that's where J.R. Reed comes in at the other safety spot. Yeah. I, think I, I, I think I covered all the bases there. Yeah, basically. By the end of the game, it was essentially Aaron Robinson on the outside and Julian Love in the slot. And here's something I'm, I'm going to say. And cornerback is probably my weakest position of judging it. Yeah. I think Aaron Robinson's going to be good, man. I really yeah, do. Like fun. when we talked about Darnay Holmes, I feel I feel like we talked about Darnay and like, hey, he's not bad. You know, we had we've had bad nickel corner play. Like like Darnay is a competent player. He knows how to play zone, so he's not going to make uh, big mistakes. Um, and he can make a play like an interception that he had today. With Aaron Robinson, I feel like this dude presses up on dudes. He plays man coverage. He's physical. And, you know, he had a, a big pass given up on him today. But it's like, I feel like this guy's going to – I feel like he might end up being a really good corner. Like, not just not just like a solid corner for a third-round pick. Like, a, a really good corner. And I hope I'm not overreacting. But it's just when I watch him play, and it's like he, you could, he just plays with confidence. Like, he is aggressive. He's, he, he, he doesn't play with any fear. And you see that. And, and, and he you know, plays well in the run game, too. Like I, I feel I just feel like he's going to be good. I really do. I, I if you know you talk about anybody from that, you know I I, I almost now nah, actually no I was going to say I almost feel better about him than Ojolari, but I I, I don't want to go that far. Yeah, no, but playing having a especially a slot corner that can really clamp down, and especially if if Aaron Robinson fits more of the strengths of Patrick Graham. I mean that's huge. Um, you know, anytime that we've seen Aaron Robinson targeted. He's been running right with wide receivers versus Darnay Holmes is usually a guy that comes up and makes a play, right? 
because they don't really trust starting homes and man coverage. So he's kind of playing back, playing back, playing back. And then he comes up and he makes the play and he has to come up and make a tackle versus Aaron Robinson, where you saw in the Xavier McKinney interception, Aaron Robinson was the guy that was trailing right behind that wide receiver. Robinson doesn't fall down unlike James Bradbury and McKinney, you know, pick, picks it off and, uh, you know, finish finishes that play. And Robinson had good coverage to begin with. And even on that play where, um, you know, one of the Eagles wide receivers, uh, it wasn't Arcega White, I think it was Rager, you know, when Rager kind of mossed him a little bit. I mean, Robinson was still there. Like it wasn't just a totally blown coverage. You know, he just, he just got like, Hey, I, I consider that like a welcome to the NFL moment of like, you got mossed. Um, and that's going to happen at times, but he was there, you know, and he was playing man coverage and he was playing tight. So good for Aaron Robinson, you know, another guy that young guy, rookie um, they're, you know, clearly they got it. They got to play him now with some injuries and you see, he's showing out a little bit. So cool. Devonta Smith only out today's Tony by 22 yards. <laughs> yeah. Two catches, two uh, out of four targets, I think 22 yards. Yep. 22 and Adoree Jackson was on him to start the game when he had his biggest catch of the game. But then Adoree Jackson goes out, and I think James Bradbury was on him for most of the majority of the rest of the game. I know Bradbury, while Jackson was was healthy, I think he was on um, whoever the tight end is. Goddard now? Goddard's still here? Goddard, the guy I punched in the face. Yes, you did punch him in the face. What state? Did you, North Dakota? Yeah, North Dakota. What was he doing in North Dakota? Um, Get his ass beat. So I know Bradbury was on Goddard for a little bit while Jackson was healthy, but I think Jackson goes down and he had Bradbury on Devonta Smith and clamped him. I mean, just clamped him down. You know, I, I don't I barely, barely made a peep in the, in the entire second half. And I think that was Bradbury. So kudos, kudos to Bradbury. And Graham was, you know, we, ch- you know, coming into this game because, you know, the Giants have kind of had an identity of a defense is like, you know, the two high looks and they did some of that today. Like, I, you know, we kind of challenged, I, I, I hate, well, when we talked, when we previewed the defense, it's like this shouldn't be a game where you kind of stick to your identity. Like you should be blitzing, you should be bringing the safety down, you should be pl- like, like you should be kind of like making Jalen Hurts yeah. beat you, and that's that's um. What well, they- I mean, let, let's talk. Let's talk about this too, because I mean they run. they did all that and they still couldn't stop the run for a lick. Now, Can obviously, I, go ahead, go ahead. Here's something I would like. I would like Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence to make extraordinary plays in the run yeah they're not making them they didn't do that no i mean dexter lawrence did have the uh the 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 fumble he he forced the fumble but yeah but that's you know seven yards down the field yeah um like i i understand that we're the eagles are you know the second the second best rushing offense in the nfl maybe the best if you look at it like you know half season splits um but i just and I know they do all kinds of read options, and you know Hertz ran for seventy-seven yards on his own. But it's, and and this might be a sports radio take, but it's like I just I want Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence to make more plays in the run game. Yeah, I mean you you invest in those guys, and you know clearly they're. I'm and going Williams to say leads the league in tackles for these tackles, so it's not like a whole season thing. It was just this. Yeah, game. no, I, I'm and I'm going to Leonard Williams is not producing as much pressure as I as I want him to. The sack total is fine. But I, 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 I'm not very ecstatic about Leonard Williams' season. That's why I, you know, I, I say that Adoree Jackson's the defensive MVP. However, I think we need to think about throwing that over to McKinney now. You know, if we're if we're I doing would a still say Adore. yeah, I, I would still say Adoree too. But you know, McKinney five interceptions. You know, he's, he's getting up there. Um, should have like eight. I feel like he's dropped three. 
Um, I think he, I think McKinney technically had a, like almost a dropped interception this game too, but I'm not going to fault him that much. Yeah, but Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence. Um, I mean, you you invest a lot in this interior defensive line, and, and they they obviously should be better. Um, you know, and this and this just showcases the the value of Blake Martinez. I, I think it does again and again and again. You see it every week where teams. I feel like the Eagles still at certain points they they should they should have run the ball more because they were averaging like their yards per attempt on the ground was like they were th- throwing the ball, which is wild. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, yards per attempt or something like that. Yeah, they. I mean, at, at the end of the day, they almost averaged uh, six yards per carry. Boston Scott. Now he fumbled at the end because he's a loser. Poetic it, justice. It is crazy how he just like set. He has eleven career touchdowns, seven of them versus the Giants. It is crazy, and he played well. Like it's he just did play well. It's, it's crazy. I don't get it, dude. What he blew Aaron Robinson. But I think before he scored the touchdown, his or uh, he had a touchdown that got called back. He did have a touch on that call, call that call called back. But I think right before the take Crowder interception at the end of the first half, there's a play where he blew up Aaron Robinson. And Aaron Robinson's not a entirely small dude. Boston Scott's a small dude, and he blew him up. It was it was it was pretty funny. How about my fantasy draft this week? Can we give him can we give you some credit? Jalen Rager had a solid, solid game for fantasy purposes for our, our league. Kenny Galladay sold. Boston Scott, good. And um, I forget who else. You're chipping away at the lead. I'm chipping away. Um, I had a good week. I, I, I think mean, I won this week. You probably won this week, but I, I, what matters to me is who won between me and Danny. Yeah, I'm going to look that up as soon as we end this. All right, any anything else you want to hit up on the defense? Um, great game. I love Patrick Graham. Uh, he might be my favorite court. He's he's entering like some of my favorite. Like he may end up. I, I, you know what? I let me just say I love Patrick Grant. I love. What do you, him. what do you say to the people that are still? Because there's going to be YouTube comments, and there's going to be people that still say, "Well, I hate how many yards he gives up." So, what's the response to those to those people? Is that is the NFL is exploding offensively, and the, and it's about scoring points at the end of the day. That's what I'll say. It's about scoring points at the end of the day. And the Eagles have they they've been the best rushing team in the NFL for a reason. But it was about limiting their points, and and you know the D- Eagles have done a good job of playing around Jalen Hurts' weaknesses. Not today. The Giants forced the Giants and Patrick Graham forced him to play into his weaknesses, and that's what happened. Bam. And they weren't like Hurts had five interceptions coming into this game, five interceptions in ten games. He had three today. Tough. Yeah. Tough. It was it, it was one of the best moments at MetLife this year is when I'm just screaming, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. <laughs> and there was an Eagle fan behind me. We're going back and forth all game. And he's like, no, run it. And I'm like, throw it, throw the ball. <laughs> it's a great yeah. moment. And you then Ruben from Zona Higantis was like, just like, just started like cursing that guy out. I was like, can you relax, Ruben? Like, Ruben is a firecracker. Ruben's like, shut the f up. <laughs> yeah, he's a firecracker. Uh, I didn't realize Ruben was was was. Ruben uh, hates the Eagles. Oh yeah, he hates the Eagles, which he should. Um, so it, it was cool meeting people. So I guess we kind of hit on everything game wise. Is there anything you else want to hit on before we talk about this? Just Jason. I feel like I might have. Slandered him though at Jason La Conforta. All right, so there's a report. Jason La Conforta. 
Well, there's two there's two big things like reports, so I guess that you need to talk and, about. But I don't feel like we should talk we need to talk about the Gelman one because I think that was kind of like a no doubt. Kind of obvious, right? Yeah. That's like more of a mailbag thing. All right. Yeah. Um, so Ian Rappaport says Dave Gettleman unlikely to come back, blah, 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 blah. We 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 know this. Um Jason LaConfora, on the other hand, from CBS Sports comes out and says or you know, reports. Basically, Joe Judge hasn't liked Jason Garrett since November, since the go- since November the of 2020. Party. Yeah, yeah, November of 2020. Um, and that he didn't want him back to start this year. And that ownership liked him, which is like, oh my god, John Merrick, like so frustrating. Um, you know, and Freddie Kitchens is kind of like on the opposite end. Like you know, Freddie Kitchens comes from you know, like it, it talked about in the article it comes from like the Bruce Arians like school of like. No risk it, no biscuit. Yep. Uh, it's just, it seems like John Mayer screwed it up again. Yeah. Um, I, it's I, not even a defensive judge, but it's like, it's like, like how, if Joe Judge wanted Garrett gone, why wasn't he gone? And, and part of me kind of will push back on the article. It's like, well, why is this coming out now? Why are we just finding out about this now? You know, like, so. I don't know what to think of it. I'm not going to give any huge takeaways from it, but it's just like this should have happened a long time ago. We need people that are very, very good at finding other reporters' previous stories that they try to like speculate on stuff. Because is this trying? Are they just trying to like just use Garrett? Not not saying that Garrett's a scapegoat, but are they trying to just manipulate this kind of story because pro judge? We want to keep judge, and this is why it makes sense. Yeah. It's an idea. I yeah, that see that's what, what makes me want to push back on it. Is like why is this all coming out afterwards? Could this be, you know, them doing mop up duty and being like, oh well, Judge never liked him. I mean, Rappaport Rappaport did say in his main thing on, you know, he went on, you know, Good Morning Football and he said that there were discussions that were even just stemming back to January. How could there how could there not be we knew that there was doubt in the building, like and how could there not be doubt in the building? Like, obviously, like, oh, you know, why is this only coming out now? There had to be doubt in the building, right? Like, why wouldn't there be? How could there not be? Right. So maybe Judge was one of them. I I, I don't know. I would I, think I really he was. But well, anyways, I, well, maybe that's more of a mailbag topic. But yeah. first, we got to thank Candlewick Diner. They showed up. We had an awesome tailgate, and we didn't, you know, give you guys a much prep, but we got a good shot. They had amazing food. Um it was just a good time. Like it was, it was a good time meeting everyone out there. Like we got to meet you. It was awesome. And if you didn't get to meet you, I hope you, I hope you had FOMO and come to the next uh, thing that we do because it really is fun coming out there and meeting everyone and eating and drinking and having a good time. Yeah, yeah, it was a ton of fun. And L seventeen um, Candlewick Diner showed up. Thank you to Manny. Um, thank you to Bill from John Boy Media. It was a lot of fun. I mean, we got a ton of compliments on the food. There was a ton of people that came by. Uh, very, very excited. Um, you know, very big day for you know us as a community, us as a show. Um, you know, I'm very, very thankful. Really, I, I, I almost when I was on my way home, uh, you know, I, I, I drove, I dropped you off at the hotel, and then I, you know, I drove myself home. I wasn't almost, I wasn't even thinking about the game. I was like, well, how am I going to talk about the game? Because I was just thinking about just like how thankful I am, and everything went perfectly. Um, wasn't too cold. Um, you know, snacks was a big help. His brother Anthony was a big help. I didn't too. realize how. Was- Crazy snacks got for games. I, oh, I yeah, no, he's nuts. Like, we had that fan fest, and he, he was like a you know a fun guy. And at games, he's 
it's uh, he's I don't want to be around him. He's insane. No, I, I I'm around him. I thought still. it was I thought it was more of an act. It's no, he's like actually no, no. God, why would you ever say he's insulting now that you just said that you that you that you thought it was an act? Well, it was like well, when I'm ha- talking with snacks, it's like having a, it's like it's a good conversation. But when he goes into Giants actual game mode, it's, he's a different it's a different animal. You yeah, know? yeah, like all the all the stuff that we talk about on Bleeding Blue about him getting thrown out and him cursing out Tiki Barber's wife and him running after Jerry Jones after he blows everybody a kiss and security like has to hold him back from running after Jerry Jones's van. Like those stories are real. And, you know, we said on the the YouTube live stream, what he got thrown out 10 times from MetLife. That that is true. That is not an exaggeration. Yes. He's he's technically not allowed to be at MetLife stadium. Yeah. He's he's a madman. But it was surprised he made it out today. Well, we won. I thought today was going to be the day. I thought today, no, it doesn't matter if we win. I thought today was going to be the day that he's done. Yeah. But, but Candlewick was- Diner again. I want to give one more one more shout out to Candlewick Diner. Um, what I would like everybody to do is I will put the link in the description of you know YouTube podcast whatever. We need five star ratings on Yelp for the Candlewick Diner. Um, that's what we need. Candle, common spelling, and then Wick W Y C K. We need positive ratings on Yelp. And if we can, don't say Talking Giants sent you. Don't say anything. Just leave a. Leave a normal five-star rating that you would for any kind of restaurant. But, you know, if we can get all these going at once, you know, I think, you know, you know, Manny will know, you know, owner of the Candlewick Diner, he'll know that, you know, we we sent everybody in force. So that's what we need. That's that's the biggest. If you want to thank Candlewick Diner or, you know, even if you didn't go and if and you and you just want to support us, because um, I think, you know, as the years go on and as we grow at Talking Giants and, you know, as, as we do more events, because we want to do more of this stuff in, in the future, we I want Candlewick Diner to work with us like forever because they're awesome. Um, Manny's a really cool guy. Um, you know, and I, I go there often and we we had a little bit of a relationship even before we had this like partnership. So I want Candlewick Diner to be doing this with us for a long time. So go give the five stars on Yelp and thank you again to everybody that came by. It was like it was one of them. It was one of the best Giants games that I've ever been to like ever. So thank you. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, do you want to, uh, I think we're, that's it, right? I'm actually really hungry and I have food here. And so I'm, I'm kind of actually ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you want to, how was your, how was your weekend? How was your game day experience? It was fun. I, I wasn't cold. I, I layered up. So, no, I, it was I actually, good. so I actually was not cold besides like when I didn't have gloves in the first thing in the morning. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't need a hat or gloves this game. I was. I was fine. I was good. Yeah. So I. I, I layered up. So I was warm. Um, it was fun meeting people. Um, yeah. I mean, it was. It was, it was a good experience. I, you know, it was. It was fun. All right. So you sat. It in was my, kind of a boring what? weekend overall. Though. Like I didn't. We didn't go do much. No. No. It, it, no I went to the, a sports book, not DraftKings. Because DraftKings is the best. I went to another sports book. And I thought it was gonna be like a Buffalo Buffalo Wild Wings with gambling, and it's like, oh no, the sports books are like really greasy. Yeah, and no, I was the, like, fan, the Fanduel, the Fanduel by the by the Meadowlands racetrack, the horse track is not fun. No, it's just a greasy place. I will never go back. There what did you think of my seats? They're high. Did we had like a, we had an opportunity to get club seats, and Justin said no. I mean, he, Bobby, because here's the thing: if we didn't record. The day of, 
then I would go to the club seats with, should we say who? I mean, uh, LPG, Joe. Yeah. I, I would have went. I would have ate my fanny off, and we would have had a hell of a time. But also we had Renato and Brett there with us. I would have felt bad if we if we let – Renato, like, intentionally bought tickets in our section because – Yeah, that's wanted fair. To. I'm just giving you a hard time. No, but I, I – and also, like – Part of me now, just wanted to be like, I'm just going to go. But I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm a good friend. I mean, you you, you could have. But 20 years from now, when... If you would have done that to me, I would have been mad. So I, I was like, I won't do that. 20 years from now, when we're Chris and Jerry in it, um, we'll we'll do that. Mailing it in. Yeah, when we're mailing it in. You know, 20 years from 20 years from now, we'll be... You'll be... I'll be 40 and you'll be 50. When we're mailing it in, that's that's what we'll do. We'll we'll eat our tail off. But we're, we're grinding right now. I I am so like anal about watching the game from yeah i said it watching the game from section 315 my spot anytime somebody asked me to come down low um i said ain't no one come down low in the same minute anybody sometimes asks me to come sit down in like section 100s i can't do it i freak out i'm like nope i need to stay in my all 22 view i feel like i can watch the game better from there than on tv anywhere i need to stay in my spot yeah, it, it was a good spot to watch the game, and we saw everything, so it was, yeah. it was a good spot. Wait, uh, I, the funniest moment? I'm sorry I'm talking. Like life people are horrible at standing up at the wrong spot, spot, times. Oh, yes. Like, I go to concessions in the bathrooms. They were all Eagle fans, by the way. All I'm cursing at the end of the show. All fucking Eagle fans. That pissed me off so much. All They all got up at the beginning of a play. It's like, sit down. It is the be- Have some sort of awareness. That pissed me off. What was the funniest moment of the game? Do you remember when there was a Philadelphia Eagle defensive lineman that jumped offside and Billy Price didn't snap the ball? And at the same time, we screamed, snap the fucking ball. And it was yeah. the first drive of the game. Yeah. It's so annoying. Because <laughs> like, we were the only ones that yelled it, which that's like my specialty is I'm the only one that yells those things at, at Giants games. So yeah, it was definitely a good time. I, I liked your sheets. Uh, I, I I don't mind being high. Um, all twenty two. Yeah, I don't need to watch all twenty two because I watch it every Sunday. So very true, very true. All right, let's end this show. <clears throat> we'll be back on Wednesday for our mailbag. We're finally back on our normal schedule for the rest of the year. No more Monday night oh. games. No more Thursday night. No more bye weeks. We're on Monday, Wednesday, Friday for the rest of the year on out. So we appreciate you guys. We're going nine and eight. Chris Myrick is the greatest tight end of all time. Shout out Chris Myrick. Uh, I was calling you Chris Merrick before uh, today. I Now it's Chris Myrick. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you on Wednesday. Until then, let's go Big Blue.